1: You're watching Global BC.
2: This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. It wasn't just a school, but a community fixture in Kamloops. For generations, that history went up in flames last night when Parkcrest Elementary burned down. Global's John Waugh is in Kamloops. And John, the big question now is, what do you do with 360 students who no longer have a school?
3: Well, throughout the day here in Kamloos, people have been coming up to Parkrest Elementary. First, amazed no one was hurt. Second, astonished that there's so little left. For students, it's the dream of what their school year was supposed to be. For staff, it's the heart and soul and hard work they've put in up to this point. As the smoke rose and the flames filled every classroom of Parkrest Elementary,
4: they all just. Disappeared into ashes.
3: Cameron Exelby says she couldn't help but watch as her hopes for the school year burned to the ground.
4: It hurts a lot. Just watching all those classrooms you've been in and all those memories you made just up in flames.
3: The fire broke out at about five o'clock Thursday evening. The blaze gutting the building from the center out.
5: And you could just hear the the flames just whistling
6: and sparking.
3: The aftermath the following day hard for many to see, a cornerstone of their community, a crumbled mess.
6: Really tough. I went to this
5: school actually, so it's I have so many memories at this school, my sisters, everything.
3: A cause for the fire has yet to be determined. Short-term plans on where 350 students and 40 staff can go will hopefully be announced next week.
7: Our goal is to have students learning and back in uh, some form of a, a, a school. Uh, a week from Monday,
3: parents will have to make other arrangements at least until then, but that's where the community has stepped in.
8: Today, people offering up daycare, take anybody in, the boys and girls clubs, so I mean everybody's really coming together. and
3: As for the future of Parkrest Elementary, the province says it will get the necessary help to rebuild.
9: Our capital division and the Ministry
2: of Education will work with the school district, will work with the city of Kamloops, who I know will have an interest in expediting permits and clearing the way to to get a new school.
3: For now, the focus is on the staff who poured their souls into the materials lost in the fire and the students who are in need of some stability at the start of this school year. John Hua, Global News, Kamloops. Now, whatever happens in the short-term crest, whether it's moving everyone to another site or using portable trailers, the school district is hoping to keep the staff and students of Park Crest Elementary together. And parents say if this can be done, that's a huge positive amidst this terrible loss. All right,
2: John, thank you. Some shocking numbers out tonight show just how many times parents of special needs students in B.C. are told their child can't come to school. As Catherine Urquhart reports, it's a side effect of staff shortages, and it can be devastating for families.
8: Around the province, kids are back in school. But not all kids. Some children with disabilities are already being told to stay home. Kids with disabilities are not provided an education. What are the consequences to that? Nicole Kaler has spent the past year collecting online data from parents, Her exclusion tracker reveals troubling numbers. More than 3,600 instances of kids shut out of the classroom. When we say exclusion, um, we're talking anything from kids not at school at all, some kids are just sent home, no plan for ever returning, to having a reduced school day constantly. So some kids only go to school up until noon. Key issues include not enough education assistance, insufficient training and lack of continuity.
9: we got to get better together. Uh, I certainly uh, want to hear uh, from parents from this organization and others about where there is further room for improvement.
8: For some families, it becomes too challenging. So they pull their kids out of public schools.
10: The hours that he was
11: attending were, were so few that it just didn't make sense for us to continue.
8: Nicole Kaler says she'll persist in collecting exclusion data. But she says the numbers only tell part of the story. A lot of our parents aren't able to keep their job or manage to keep their job because they're constantly being called to pick up their children. And, um, you know, it really forces us into difficult financial situations. Um, The impact of that is something that families never really recover from. Katherine Cart, Global News
2: police are investigating another fatal shooting in south surrey overnight the area has been shaken by a number of recent violent incidents A forty six year old man in this case was shot and killed inside a home in what's believed to have been a domestic dispute witnesses heard shouting and arguments and then several shots neighbors say the house is known for loud disputes
7: Sometimes, like, middle of the night, I heard, like, shouting, fighting.
12: They're not horrible neighbours, but they
2: may get a little uneasy sometimes with some of the things I've heard. Police say two men who were known to the victim have been arrested, and they don't think there are any more suspects. They say this is not believed to be linked to recent gang violence in that area. The man responsible for a fatal sucker punch inside a Burnaby Starbucks two years ago found out today how much time he'll have to spend in jail. As Romina Dea reports, the family of his victim says the sentence is nowhere near long enough for the pain and suffering he's caused.
10: 42-year-old Lawrence Sharp is going to jail. His sentence, two years in a federal institution plus two years probation after he was found guilty on one count of manslaughter. My gut says it's not fair. The victim's family in tears after the judge's ruling. What is justice? I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. What is it? I have no idea. July 2017, 22-year-old Michael Page Vincelli and Sharp's girlfriend, Aldu's Porneru's, get into a war of words in a parking lot. She claims Page Vincelli calls her a dirty immigrant and flicks a cigarette at her. Porneru's gets Sharp who's in the bank. Moments later, the couple walks into a nearby Starbucks, Page Vincelli eating chips, when Sharp punches him in the head one time. I know, you know, my son, again, his, his actions weren't great. What he did was wrong. But obviously something had made him very upset that day. And she had no problem, a hesitation to threaten him and say words back to him. Okay, it was said and it was done and he walked away. If somebody's in trouble, ask for help. Call the police. I highly recommend it. Madam Justice Humphreys said the criminal law is not an instrument of vengeance. With the greatest respect and sympathy to the family, the judge expressions of disgust and accusations are not the purpose of victim impact statements. When you lose a child, especially, you have every right to be angry. You have every right. Pornaroos found not guilty of manslaughter. The two-year prison sentence for Sharp in the range of what both defense and Crown asked for. Romina Dea, Global News.
2: A major investigation by Canadian and American law enforcement has led to a huge drug bust and the arrest of a number of suspects, including here in Vancouver. The state's attorney's office in Los Angeles releasing pictures of a major seizure of drugs and cash. It includes more than 400 kilograms of cocaine, along with heroin, methamphetamines and MDMA. They also seized more than $800,000 in Canadian currency. 30 people are accused of exporting drugs from Mexico into Canada and from Canada into Southern California. Investigators say the suspects used modified cell phones with military-grade encryption to communicate with one another. Relief on Vancouver's east side tonight with police arresting two suspects in a string of so-called distraction thefts that targeted seniors. As Nadia Stewart reports, the suspects, a 23-year-old man and an 18-year-old woman, were arrested shortly after the most recent theft.
7: Kerr Street and 49th Avenue, the Vancouver neighborhood where police finally caught two suspected thieves.
11: The arrest occurred shortly after uh, a distraction theft allegedly occurred in East Vancouver.
7: This time, the pair targeted a 69-year-old man. Police won't get into the details of the arrest, but say officers were already in the area. 23-year-old Petra Alexandru and 18-year-old Graciela Stoyan each face a single count of jewelry theft, but they could face more charges.
11: We believe there may be additional people out there who, who maybe don't realize that they've been victimized by these thefts.
7: Investigators say victims were often approached in their yards or while walking on the street by the pair who tried to give them fake jewelry, distracting victims as they stole real jewelry from them. Victims typically had two things in common. English was not their first language. And they were elderly. We did have some break ins. Queenie Chu says the elderly are too often victims of crime. At the seniors housing facility, her nonprofit organization manages, they recently had to replace this fence. There's the spikes uh, on the top as a deterrent. After thieves climbed over, robbing residents and staff inside on more than one occasion. While the pair arrested aren't suspects in this case, she's relieved to hear they're in police custody.
5: This is uncalled for, and I think we all need to uh, be very, very uh, super careful with uh, some of the suspicious activities
10: going on in a neighborhood.
7: As for the pair arrested, police believe the number of victims could climb into the double digits. It's also possible there are more victims outside of Vancouver. Now to Historic Global News.
2: On the news hour as well. Right now, though, the city of Vancouver has unveiled its options for significant changes to one of its bridges. Believe it or not, the Granville Bridge is underused, and so the city wants to encourage more use by cyclists and pedestrians. Jennifer Palma looks at the six possibilities you get to choose from. <laughs>
5: It's more than 60 years old and needs a facelift. The Granville Street Bridge is preparing for a redesign.
3: It's kind of a scary bridge right now. Can be a little bit safer for bicyclists.
5: The massive eight-lane span is a Vancouver artery, helping to connect downtown to other municipalities. More than 65,000 cars use it and more than 25,000 transit trips are made in a day. Now through a second phase of consultation, the city wants you to help create a special space that can also accommodate pedestrians and cyclists safely.
13: The biggest message we heard was that something needs to be done. Nobody likes how walking and cycling work across that bridge and that there's lots of opportunities for
12: improvements.
5: You're being presented with six options. There had been more than 20. Each takes two lanes of traffic to be repurposed for bikes and pedestrians. Two of the options look at the west side of the bridge being redeveloped. The first costs 20 to 30 million dollars or 30 to 40 million dollars for the West Side Plus design with an upgraded east sidewalk. Options three and four look at the east side of the bridge being changed Option 3 costing $20 to $30 million, while the East Side Plus design comes in between $25 to $35 million with an upgraded west sidewalk. The most unique design is this one, the Raised Center. It's also the most costly at $45 to $55 million. As for Option 6, it has bike lanes and sidewalks on both sides of the bridge, like the Burrard Bridge costing 20 to 30 million. The city says none of the designs will impact traffic volumes.
13: So taking removing two lanes as long as we deal with the intersections at either end well uh, should have no uh, impacts to the capacity of the bridge for carrying motor vehicles.
5: The second phase of consultation runs through September then a third phase will be held later this year. Staff will present recommendations to city council in early 2020. Jennifer Palma, Global News.
2: The City of Vancouver and Vancouver Coastal Health say a new outreach pilot program is helping break the cycle of drug overdoses. The program was based on the belief that while drug users might not want to discuss care options immediately after an overdose, they might be more receptive a few days later. Over a one-week period, 22 overdose patients were contacted, and all but one agreed to meet with the outreach team that could direct them to treatment programs.
5: We've realized that not everyone who has an overdose ends up in a hospital emergency department. And the firefighters here know this. They attend an overdose, is reversed with naloxone, and people choose not to go to hospital. These people might be lost to the type of support that they could be receiving without this kind of
14: new initiative. Yeah,
2: it looks like Vancouverites frustrated with the tent city in Oppenheimer Park won't be getting any relief anytime soon. The Vancouver Park Board announcing today it will not go to court to clear the park. And instead, it's calling for the creation of a task force to address homelessness. Jill Bennett has reaction.
6: Has it ever been this bad? No,
15: not at all. Not at all. It's worse. Very bad.
6: Lionel Langan has been working across the street from Oppenheimer Park for years. He says this past year, he's lost about $8,000 in stolen tools. Some he later recovered in the park.
3: I could cry. I feel like crying.
6: I feel so, I feel so sad. The park board has decided it won't be seeking an injunction to remove tents from the park. Instead, it's calling for a multi-jurisdictional task force to come up with solutions.
1: We need to be creative. We need to be bold. Taking people out of Oppenheimer Park will mean that they're going elsewhere. It doesn't mean that we've solved homelessness because they're not in Oppenheimer Park. They will be going onto the streets.
2: Excuse us, guys.
6: In 2014, the park board did get an injunction that led to the clearing of the park, but McKinnon says things are different this time.
2: In 2014,
1: the city took over a motel, and there was space for everyone. There's not space for everyone today.
6: Former Park Board Chair and current Commissioner John Cooper voted in favor of an injunction, saying allowing tents at Oppenheimer Park to stay sets a dangerous precedent.
9: I think our parks uh, will uh, soon be occupied across the city, and I don't think that's what residents expect from their elected representatives in the Park Board.
6: What a lot of people don't expect is this, being allowed to continue indefinitely. But it appears that's the case as the problems get worse.
12: People are feeling more intimidated to go to some of these parks than they have in the past. And so what can we do to clean them up and make them safe for everyone is kind of the messaging that I want people to talk about. And I like the fact that we're going to put people together from all different borders of government to try to come up with solutions immediately to deal with this. Jill Bennett, Global News.
2: A Vancouver Island couple fighting to keep their popular restaurant alive say they are closing the doors forever on Sunday they've lost their battle with the inflexible bureaucracy of the agricultural land reserve and as aaron macarthur reports they're devastated it's lined up out the door at the rusted rake
1: outside people are making their own parking spots it's the last weekend for this nanoose Bay staple forced to shut the doors because of government inflexibility
6: food's amazing service is great so friendly and
3: personable and a tremendous amount of effort by a young family young entrepreneurs sticking their neck out
1: the rusted rake restaurant has been operating on the farm for years the agricultural land commission says that's not an approved farm use the owners went so far as to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on brewery equipment an approved use of farmland but in the end even that wasn't allowed
14: 15 people lost lost their jobs today including myself
1: who is to blame for this the agriculture minister says the policy stems from the Liberal government days. Her hands are tied, as the ALC is an independent body. Writing in a statement, the government is looking at ways to increase business opportunities for farmers. The Liberal MLA for Nanus Bay says this decision is baffling.
14: The minister has the ability to make the decisions, and she needs to show some leadership now. The policy um, is having devastating impacts for many of our um, farmers or entrepreneurs.
1: In the end, the rusted rake will go back to being just a farm. There is an appeal process, but it's unclear if the owners have the appetite to continue to fight government. How they will keep their heads above water seems like a question the bureaucracy
0: today. That's shopify.com slash system.
2: It's one of the many acts of heroism we've seen during Hurricane Dorian, a woman braving strong winds and high water to rescue a cat that was barely clinging to a fence railing. She was able to wrap the frightened pet in a towel and carry it back to safety. It all happened as the storm battered North Carolina's outer banks earlier today. The hurricane slammed the North Carolina coast with 145-kilometer-an-hour winds. It's now expected to reach Atlantic Canada by tomorrow morning. In the Bahamas, the death toll of 30 is expected to grow dramatically. And aid workers are struggling to get supplies to the hardest-hit areas
13: follow the
11: instructions tonight the Bahamas facing a new threat with conditions deteriorating and thousands unaccounted for frustration is boiling over
14: don't allow us to suffer anymore by staying here another night
11: home after home destroyed
3: I got my two boys my wife
9: and I and we don't have nothing now
11: on Abaco Island everyone we met including Nicole Evans says help can't come fast enough now
7: there's no more my yeah
3: Nothing.
7: Nothing. Nothing. Our house gone. everything gone.
11: We visited the town of Marsh Harbor on Abaco Island.
3: A little bit of food and a little bit of water for now, but how long that go to last us? You see? That's, 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 a, that's a million dollars question now. Here in the
11: Bahamas, the buildings have to be built to withstand a Category 4 hurricane, but just a quick look around in any neighborhood shows you the difference with a Category 5 and what it can do. The Coast Guard rescuing more than 200 people so far. The critically injured, airlifted to safety. But the Prime Minister <laughs> pleading for patience.
9: We can't move all of you at one time. But the boats will be coming in. The finished, okay? Boats will be coming in on aircrafts.
11: Others pitching in. Royal Caribbean Cruise Line turning nearby ships towards Grand Bahama, dropping off tens of thousands of meals. Ferries now going to several islands, transporting hundreds to safety. Many crowding the docks to get out.
7: As Bahamians, we have to band together. That's how I grew up. That's the Bahamas that I know.
11: A country coming together to keep their paradise from falling apart. Morgan Chesky, NBC News, Abaco Island.
2: It is still a massive storm, and as we mentioned, it is heading to Atlantic Canada as well, where a hurricane warning is in place. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with the latest information. Christy.
16: Chris, it's a Category 1 right now, but as it makes its way further north, it actually has the potential of regaining strength to a Category 2 by the time it heads towards Yarmouth. Uh, it will likely make landfall near Halifax, but it will cross Nova Scotia potentially as a Category 2, crossing PEI as well throughout the day tomorrow. And the impact could be quite significant. West of the eye of the hurricane, significant rain. That's for New Brunswick as well. 150 millimeters potentially in the next 24 hours. East of the eye of the hurricane, strong winds, 150 kilometers kilometers an hour, potentially even stronger, surge of one meter, waves of seven meters. So people are urged to stay away from rivers and streams and, of course, away from coastal regions as well. Now, this could be the strongest hurricane to hit this region since Juan back in 2003. Now, when I come back, Chris, we'll talk a little bit about past hurricanes. What What were some of the strongest to hit the region and when they actually occurred?
2: All right, thank you very much, Christy. Troubling for sure in Atlantic Canada. Look forward to that. In other news tonight, U.S. federal prosecutors want actress Felicity Huffman to spend one month in jail and pay a $20,000 fine for her role in the college admission scandal. Huffman pleaded guilty earlier this year to committing mail fraud and to paying an official to boost her daughter's SAT score. A judge called Huffman's conduct, conduct deliberate and manifestly criminal. After her time in jail, she'd be placed on supervised release for a year. Huffman will be sentenced next week. And in Health Matters tonight, an urgent new warning tonight from health officials in the United States about e-cigarettes. They're urging the public to simply stop using them after 450 cases of severe lung disease and five deaths associated with vaping. Most involve otherwise healthy young people. Many of those sickens say they used marijuana vaping products containing THC. Still, health investigators say much more testing is needed to determine exactly what, is that's it, what it is that's making people sick. Proof you are never too old for dreams to come true. A 74-year-old woman in India has given birth to twins. She and her 82-year-old husband had been trying to have children for 57 years and she surprised everyone by conceiving in her first round of IVF. The girls were delivered by caesarean section. The husband, though, suffered a stroke hours after the twins were born. He apparently is recovering in hospital. It's a race to the top. Man versus machine will tell you how this competition involving an Olympic athlete ended coming up right after Christie's weekend weather forecast. But just before we get there, scientists are closely monitoring an, envi- an environmental phenomenon along the West Coast that could pose a threat to sea life. It's similar to what was known as the blob back in 2014. Ocean temperatures rising two or three degrees. And while that may not seem like a lot, it can have serious consequences.
15: There's something unsettling forming in the Pacific Ocean off our coast.
2: It's kind of like a mass. that keeps getting bigger and
12: bigger.
15: Right name, wrong menace.
12: It was called the blob because it was a big warm patch of water out in the ocean.
15: We've seen it before, in 2014, That there's already another as a symptom of climate change.
12: The red coloration here indicates warmer water, and in this case two and a half to three degrees warmer than the long-term average.
15: The heat can drive out or kill any number of indigenous marine species and attract foreign ones that compete for food and prey on local fish.
12: So one of the things that, that has been observed is an increase in some of the southern fish species and uh, and also squid species like humboldt squid, these can actually predate on the juvenile salmon.
15: The heat can also stress salmon, making them more susceptible to disease. As for their food, tiny zooplankton.
12: It has this, this droplets in, them in that it uh, holds in its body that is full of oil, and this is an energy store that it uses to survive the winter.
15: But the northern zooplankton can't handle the heat and are replaced by warm water species that don't have the nutritious fatty acids that juveniles, salmon require.
12: The uh, the neural development of the fish is not quite as as, um, as good, and so, for instance, that can affect their swimming behavior, their vision.
15: There are many species of flora and fauna that are negatively impacted by marine heat waves. The effects will be most obvious if the blob makes it from the open ocean to our coast.
12: So We're waiting to see um, as, as what happens as we get into the, the transition to, to winter months. Will this warm water dissipate or will it move on to the coast? And, and that's what we're really keeping an eye out for.
15: Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
12: You know who else is keeping an eye on that?
2: Christy Gordon. Mm -hmm. Because there are some pretty severe consequences uh, Mm -hmm. to the overall climate for us here on the West Coast too.
16: In the past when we've had a strong blob just off the coast, so the sea surface temperature anomaly where it's uh, two to three degrees above average, we're talking about, uh, so we saw that in 2014 into 2016 as well, and during those years we had very warm, mild winters where we had barely any snowpack at all, but this was in conjunction with a strong El Nino, so that El Nino effect also has an impact, so we watch for the blob in terms of our long uh, range forecast through the winter, and we also watch for El Nino. At this point, it looks like we're not going to see an El Nino this year. It's more so going to be a neutral uh, year. So we'll be tracking this closely to see how this transpires as well as El Nino, but at this point, it's not looking to be that same impact that we saw back in 2014 to 2016. Um, I want to show you this. uh, We've had probably seven major hurricanes in Atlantic Canada in the last century. One of them was Hazel 1954. That had 81 deaths reported due because of it as it traveled through Ontario, an incredible storm. But the strongest was actually Ella in 2000, sorry, in 1978, Ella had winds at 215 kilometers an hour. But for the area we're talking about for tomorrow, there were two major ones, one where they had winds at 150 kilometers an hour, four reported deaths because of one. So this is a major hurricane to be th- uh, considering uh, quite seriously. And then Ginny at 19. 19- 1963, where they saw winds up to 175 kilometers an hour in that area. So significant storms, certainly. Now, back at home, nothing major. We'll see some cloud cover tomorrow. We do have a chance of showers tomorrow evening with a risk of thunderstorms through the Fraser Valley and Metro Vancouver. So watch for that towards the end of the day. Your the Sunday is also looking a little showery. But in generally, a, tomorrow's our transition day with showers in the north, increasing cloud across the south, and those showers developing across the south. Coast by the evening. Also, that risk of thunderstorms. But over the overall, over the next little while, we are going to see unsettled conditions. I'll leave you with a bright, shiny uh, fall—not mm. fall, but it's sort of that end of summer image with the sunflowers at sunset. Chris,
2: end of summer is better than not ready for fall. No, quite no, yet. it's too
16: early for that. End yeah. of summer's
2: is good, uh, and so are the sunflowers. Thank you very much. Well, have you ever stood there at an elevator, pressing the button, thinking the stairs would probably be faster? Well, an Olympic athlete has taken that thought to a whole new level. Poland's 2016 world speed climbing champion, Marcin Jenski, took just 12.12 seconds to beat an elevator up six stories to the top of a hotel in Warsaw. The 26-year-old climbed a 23-meter wall specially built for the stunt. Speed climbing is going to debut at next year's Tokyo Olympics. Pretty amazing. Also, you might consider horseshoes nothing more than a backyard pastime. Far from the Olympics, of course. But the people who play it take it seriously. And one young woman from Vancouver Island has proven she's one of the best in the world. Her victory at the World Championships is even more impressive by some of the challenges Lindsay Hodgins faces in everyday life. Kylie Stanton explains.
14: A swing but rarely ever a miss.
2: She
13: practices about an hour and a half to two hours every day.
14: Lindsay Hodgins is 10 years into pitching horseshoes. Oh God, and it still went on. A game where luck has nothing to do with it. It's an individual sport, so if I throw bad, it's on me and only me. For Hodgins, that works in her favor. The 22-year-old has autism spectrum disorder, and when she's in the pit, she's in the zone. A lot of the times I think I focus harder on the things that I do like. That's helped her quickly move through the juniors into the ladies division, racking up titles along the way. Canadian championship, BC international. But there was still one trophy to be won at the 2019 National Horseshoe Pitching Association World Tournament. I was expecting to maybe get... Fifth, if I was lucky. She kept putting ringers on, leaving the competition in the dust, capping off the six days of pitching by winning in a playoff thriller.
13: And the women's world
9: 2019 champions, Lindsay Hobbes!
13: And she ended up where she did. It was just, just unbelievable. And for her, I don't think it sank, it sank in for a week. Great
1: satisfaction <laughs> really to good. help help somebody yeah. uh, develop their skills like this. This is remarkable, yeah. yeah.
13: Really stands out. Done so well.
14: And so, what's next?
13: She has won basically everything that's possible to win now.
14: There's not really much else to conquer. But she's back here practicing, taking aim at breaking records. Kylie Stanton, Global News.
2: Amazing how consistently she was putting ringers on, the, on the pole there. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. Way to go, Lindsey. Mm-hmm. Well, well-placed horseshoe. Goes a long way. Hashtag she the north that's, is that, what everybody's talking about right about now.
9: calling her. Take off on the Raptors. He the north. You know, she's going to make some money. $1.9 guaranteed if she wins tomorrow. $3.85 that's a good haul. All right, thanks, Chris. Bianca Andreescu uh, has captured the nation's attention with another stunning display of tennis, and this time it is on the biggest stage, literally. She will play in the final of the U.S. Open in New York against the greatest of them all, Serena Williams, tomorrow 1 o'clock our time. Bianca has not lost a match other than one she's been forced to retire because of injury For six months, that is 23 straight wins and many against top 10 opponents. She is the real deal, and a win tomorrow not only would make her the first Canadian to ever win a Grand Slam singles title, but she would vault to number five in the world rankings.
4: I've always dreamt of this moment ever since I was a little kid, but I don't think... Many people would have actually thought that it would become a reality that moment after the match. I was just in shock um, But at the same time, I fought really hard to get to this point So I really think I deserve to uh, be in the finals on Saturday She's got that too. Unbelievable. I think it's just inside of me somehow. I think it's just my passion for the game as well. I don't like to lose, <laughs> so I just try my best every match. I expect a lot from myself, um, so I think that pressure also helps me do best, do my best in matches. I'm really looking forward to it. She's an amazing champion on and off the court, so it's going to be fun.
9: It will. Men's semifinals today. Second seed Rafa Nadal against Italian Matteo Berrettini. Rafa 10 years older, but look at that. What an angle on the forehand pass. Won the first set in a tough tie break, 7-6. Berrettini hung right in there. But you need to hit about 10 great shots against Rafa each rally just to win a point. Never mind a game. And Nadal got a break and is now up two sets to love. Russian Daniel Medvedev won the other semi. He will make the final probably against Rafa. The Lions made a change at offensive line coaching, uh, or offensive line coach firing Brian Chu and bringing in Kelly Bates this week. They've also had another bye. Would any of that changed their fortunes tonight in Montreal, taking on an Alouettes team that is a surprising 5-4, and four and second place in the East. There's Kelly Bates, former Lions player, now their new offensive line coach. She said they got to get back to basics. Well, first drive did have some good things, but then, oh, all too familiar. Mike Riley goes down, although that's the only sack they've given up, 44th of the year, most in the CFL. It was scoreless that's after one. Alouette's in the second, go for it on third and two. Their fine young quarterback, Vernon Adams Jr., to Devere Posey. That led to an Adams one-yard touchdown plunge. Montreal led 7-0. They're up 14-0 when the Lions finally get on the board. Riley to Brian Burnham, who bounces off the defender, takes it in for the touchdown. Burnham really their only true threat in that receiving core. Sometimes Lamar Durant will give them some. 14-7, Lions trailed at the half. In the third quarter, the Lions had the ball. For 12 of the 15 minutes, they ran the ball well. Brandon Rutley, 12-yard run here, led to a field goal. It was 14-13 after three. And then in the fourth, how about Wayne Moore? you want to be a running back in the CFL? Oh, my. Former Lion Bo Lacombo with maybe the hit of the year. Montreal, so the lines are still in it. We'll update you at 11. Two soccer powers, Germany-Netherlands meeting in Group C qualifying for the 2020 European Championship. Tied 2-2 late, but the Dutch take the lead. Daniel Malen making his national team debut. Converts a beautiful feed. From Wijnaldum, 3-2, Netherlands. And then in stoppage time, on the attack again, the Orange Crush strikes. Wijnaldum finishes this time. Impressive victory on the road in Hamburg, 4-2 over Germany. Jordy Ben will be back in his hometown of Victoria when the Canucks open training camp there a week from today. Ben was signed as a free agent to bring some experience and grit to the Canuck blue line and maybe a fun, fresh attitude as well. Jordy Benn never really became a full-time NHLer until he was 26, but he has played 473 games with the Stars and Canadians because he's dependable and smart. Hockey sense has never been a bigger attribute
12: than in today's NHL. Being in the right places is, uh, is what, you want, to, what do you want to do out there, so um, I think I'm a fairly smart hockey player. Maybe not the smartest guy off the ice, but out there I think I'm, I'm doing okay. Ben scores!
9: Ben's also got a great sense of humor and has always been a favorite of his teammates. Along with newly acquired six-foot-seven Tyler Myers, he's also expected to keep opponents very unhappy in front of Canucks goalies.
12: You don't want to make it easy on the opposing team to come to the front of the net. It's obviously, uh, if you want to score goals, that's where you got to go. So we just got to make it hard on the opponent.
9: As far as that fiery red beard
12: goes, good news that ain't going anywhere soon. I've had it forever. I, don't, I grew it years ago, and I only had to shave it off once, and I don't think I'm ever going to shave it again unless I have to. It probably helps out, the, helps out in the looks department, that's for sure.
9: Man with a good beard. Got to respect that. Absolutely. Uh, yes, Man Cup, Victoria Peterborough, game one in Victoria tonight. Mm-hmm. And rugby, tomorrow you're going I'll go USA again, yeah. Canada. 15s that's their uh, final tune-up before the rugby world cup in japan which uh, starts later this month
16: coming up on et canada our tiff coverage rolls on with movies starring jamie fox and dakota johnson and antonio banderas and the scott brothers are here to talk about their book the brady bunch and carpool karaoke
8: that's coming up at seven right after the news hour. But for now back to you chris
2: all right cheryl thank you we are here for the beer It's gone from booming industry to steady growth and still no end in sight to the popularity of craft beer. Ale trails and hipster hangouts are still popping up all across the province. To help show us how big it's become, we sent our Richard Zussman out on a torturous assignment (laughs) to Canada's longest-running beer festival.
13: The beer fans waiting to be first to test the taps to the Great Canadian Beer Festival. And they have a lot to
12: look forward to. 99 breweries, uh, including about 75 from BC and about 24, 25 from uh, outside of BC. And we have uh, nearly 300 different beers being served. It's the one place where you can get from BC to
13: Nova Scotia in a matter of steps. This East Coast brewer packing more than just her beer. We're
0: alongside each other, I think it works pretty well. Knowing that craft beer really. In North America, started on the west coast and worked its way east coast. How do you go back? How do you not go to you know the homeland of craft beer?
13: There will be more than nine thousand people here every single day, and there will be a lot of choice in terms of the beer. This is the menu printed out, more than fifty pages.
12: A lot of those people are going to be visitors from outside of Victoria, so they're staying in hotel rooms, spending money at restaurants afterward.
13: The event has grown up a lot since it started in 1993. Jerry Heater ran the first event with little more than 20 breweries. And it's not just the festival size that has changed.
12: In the early days it was just a
13: good way to meet somebody of the opposite sex and get good and drunk. If you were tasting some craft beers along the way, great. But now we've got an entire generation of people growing up since those first years who have grown up with craft beer, and they
2: know it and they love it.
13: According to the Campaign for Real Ale, craft beer advocacy group, nearly 30% of all beer purchased in British Columbia is now craft.
12: Anytime people have an opportunity to try what is unique to different regions and different areas um, is always a great opportunity.
13: The festival runs until Saturday, and these beer lovers will use until then to try as many of these nearly 300 beers on tap as possible. Richard Listman, Global News, Victoria.
2: Poor guy.
16: Looks like they had a nice day for it, too. Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Nice. Mm-hmm. A bit of a change coming, though, right?
16: Yes. Unfortunately, we are expecting more cloud tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow evening is the one thing I want to mention. By the evening hours, Fraser Valley and some parts of Metro Vancouver, eastern sections in particular, could see showers and a risk of thunderstorms. And then Sunday, we are expecting unsettled weather. The key, though, Monday mm-hmm. and Tuesday, that's sweater weather, in my opinion. <laughs>
2: what It is, isn't yes. it? Yes.
16: Already we got that
2: golf tournament, CKW Kids Fund. Oh. Take a swing golf tournament on Monday. So we're going rain or shine. If you, if you signed up, we're we're gonna do it for the kids. For the kids. Have a great weekend, everybody.